Can I hear a hallelujah? Hallelujah. And I saw Richard's face as he was playing. He looked over here at someone and he just had this big old grin like, this is cool. This is really cool. Man, oh, Andrew, Michael, oh my gosh, you guys are, Michael, Michael Dumont was like shredding on the bass. Did anyone see that? It was ridiculous. Eddie always shreds on guitar, so we take that for granted. But Michael just started shredding. Uh, he, like, I think in music you reach levels and then you enter like subspace and you just disappear and you start making your own music. And, uh, that, but then as the band was playing, I just, and that song, the most recent song, I realized that that wasn't the band. That was the Holy Spirit, like moving through those people and seeing people's talents come alive in that way. I mean, I don't know if you guys four years ago just knew Spencer McCroskey as that cool dad, right? And now he's like Bruce Hornsby of San Marino, (laughs) you know? So, um, and we have... uh, we have Eddie Bela Fleck on guitar. We have a good band. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and Jennifer Miller. Whew, the Lord gave you a voice like none other. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit a little bit today. Let's talk about um, what God is saying to us in each of our lives in the different places that we're at. Um, before we do that, I'd like to show you a video we recorded in Malawi about a week ago. So take a look at this. location for drinking water. Okay, so this is where they used to get their water, which is pretty amazing. I mean, it's pretty gross looking. I can take some. Let's see. You can see it. It's really shallow. Kind of hard to see, but it's really murky and dirty. And during the rainy season, water would come and the runoff would contaminate the water even more than it already is. And it's just really not, not great. We need, yeah, we need wells for this. So there's a well 30 meters over there that isn't contaminated and has nice water. So after visiting the previous area where they used to draw water, we got to come here and see the amazing well that's been built. The local people participated in building the well, so they had a lot of ownership. And we got to see demonstrated how the women put the water on their heads and carry it long distances. And we also got to pump the well and see what beautiful clean water comes out that they can use for all their needs back in the village, for bathing, for cooking, for cleaning their children. And they've seen a lot of health in the village as a result. They had various digestive issues prior to having the clean water and they haven't seen any of that since the clean water has been installed and there's a wonderful inscription here that says glory to God and that is all the part of the great work that Marion Medical Mission is doing in this great area this water well feeds about 20 people approximately they come from Two different directions and they typically use about four buckets of water per day for their individual family needs
Wow. It's hard to say that what we do in here doesn't matter. When you drive across Africa and you see thousands and thousands of these new wells, all put in there by different NGOs and nonprofits and churches that have just decided that we can't live with people who have no fresh water to drink, meaning they have constant intestinal issues. If you have constant intestinal issues, you can't do other things with your life, and if you get another disease, you die from it. Can you imagine babies who have, I mean, sorry, diarrhea. they constantly having diarrhea. You know how tragic and devastating that would be to the lives of those families if those children are growing up like that. Um, it was encouraging. And one of the most amazing things was to see, and I see some of you had, or came from the Thailand trip as well, and I heard the same reaction from your trip, is that you notice the contrast between how much we have in terms of possessions and treasures and how little they have in terms of possessions and treasures. Um, it's, it, it, it does make your jaw drop to the floor uh, when you see how little they live on. And they live day to day. Um, yeah. I think that as, as we're thinking about what we're doing here and the treasures that we have in the scripture today it would be nice to reflect on that contrast between the two communities, the contrast that exists between how much we have and how little they have. I heard of a story. Do you, does anyone know who Carrie Kingston is? I'm sorry to just throw her stories around, but it's too good to let go. Uh, are you here, Carrie? Or, okay. So Carrie Kingston goes to Africa all the time with a, with a mission that she works for, and she runs. And she said that when she was in Africa talking to a 15-year-old kid, and showing him some of the pictures of his, her life here. Uh, he said, after seeing those pictures, how do you do it? And she said, how do I do what? And he said, how do you focus on God when you have so many distractions in your life? Wow. And I don't want to over-glamorize the life of the people in Africa because they have their own distractions, they have their own obsessions, their own worries, their own things that they focus on. But today we're going to talk about ours. What is your obsession? Comfortable question to ask, right? Uh, should we just have a group sharing time right now? Do you, no. What is your obsession? Think about that. Uh, that's an awkward way to phrase the question. Let's just take it back a step and just ask, uh, what is the thing that, uh, that attracts your attention in this world? Where do your eyes draw in life? Um, what, are the, what are the things you do when you are done with work, whatever that is, and you push away your chair from your desk or you find yourself spending some time alone? Where does your mind wander? What websites do you visit, for example? Or what catalogs do you flip through? What is it that you dream about and what is it that you fantasize about? What are those things that you think about when you're alone? Is it God or is it something else that's drawing your attention away? See, Jesus, in the scripture that we're looking at today, he actually is talking to his disciples. It's, it's a familiar sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it referred to that as, as that way. But actually, uh, some scholars believe that it was Jesus's stump speech. You know how 
you know, people on a campaign, a presidential campaign, uh, even some of them comically have had such carbon copy stump speeches that they've done split screens and showed them saying the same thing, same bad joke over and over and over again. This is the same good stuff that scholars believe Jesus went from town to town saying the same stump speech, the same sermon, giving the same message to people. And it was called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's a beautiful sermon. And it talks about the intersection of the spiritual world with the material world. How does the spiritual world interact with the material world? And how, did the, how does the interplay go? And Jesus was telling his followers and his disciples that the, the spiritual world, the way that you interact with the material world impacts the spiritual world. It has an impact, a profound impact. And he said that even if you looked at the way someone interacted with the material world, so those websites that you look at or, or those catalogs that you look at, you could learn a lot about somebody's heart. And when Jesus was saying you could learn about someone's heart, he wasn't talking about heart like we talk about it. He was talking about that and more. He was talking about heart in terms of the totality of a person, the wholeness of an individual, basically all of your identity. Everything that you are is wrapped up in the word heart when Jesus says it. Let's look at this brief excerpt from this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus was giving. And it's in Matthew 6, chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. It's printed in your bulletins. Or you can just read along on the screens up here. This is the words of Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth, neither moth nor rust consume and where thieves do not break in and steal. And Jesus finishes with these words, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. And we all say, thanks be to God. Now I, I look at this verse and I, I expect that Jesus would say something more along the lines of where your heart would be. That's where your treasures are going to be. And doesn't that make kind of more sense? Something that we would be familiar with. But instead, Jesus says where your treasures are, that's where your heart will be also. That's a fascinating concept. See, Jesus is saying that your heart is like this compass. And the treasures in your life are like magnets. And if you know anything about compasses, they will follow wherever the magnet is. And the magnet will deceive the compass, so the compass does not know where true north is. And so Jesus is saying that these treasures, they have such powerful, they have such a power in your life when, when you... And, and I think that you should also think of them not as treasures, but also as the experiences that you treasure. Those things that you yearn for, that you desire for, those things that you work toward in your life. Those are like magnets in your life, pointing the compass of your life and shaping who you are. Now, as we think back on that question, what is your obsession? I'd like for you to think, how is God speaking into this particular area of your life? And how would I learn more about who you are by looking at your emails or by looking at your web searches, your web search history, or by looking at the songs that you listen to or looking at the journals that you keep 
or looking at the way that you spend your money and your credit card statement. What would I discover about your personality, about who you are? And the way that those experiences, those ways that you're treasuring those things, those treasures of your life, how are they shaping and creating the person that you are today? Essentially, the question is, where is your life pointed? Where are you pointing your life? Jesus wanted to be really clear about one thing with this scripture. It was clear. He says, uh, do not store up your treasures on earth where what? Moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. He wanted to be clear that all of the earthly treasures, all of the things that you might, you might treasure on earth, those things are dust. I, I remember one time when my brother was at the beach and he called me and he said, I think I get it about church. I said, what is it? And he said, you know, I'm at the beach and I see my daughter making these sandcastles on the beach and she builds them and the waves come in and they just wash away the sandcastles. And at the time, my brother and I were building a church together and we had everything that we had invested in that church experience and, and everything we were doing. And he said, he said, you know what? It's, they're all sandcastles. The church building that we're building, it's a sandcastle. And even as I come up to San Marino Community Church and I think, wow, this is going to be around forever, I remind myself that it's just a big sandcastle. That as much as we would like to believe that the things of this earth are around forever, they will all become sand. They will all become dust. And all of the investment that we put into those things will be for naught unless God is at the center of it. Unless it's really all about God and Jesus Christ. Jesus, right after he talks about this verse, and he says, these, you know, this verse talks about don't store up your treasures in on earth, but store them up in heaven. He then goes on, there's a couple more stories he tells, but then he goes on to talk about a house that's built on sand. And he says, the house that's built on sand will never last. It's just going to get washed away when the, sand, the storm comes, and it'll just fall right off the cliff. And he said, the house that is built on the rock will last. You see, the, the rock is Jesus Christ. The rock is God. What is it that your house is built upon? See, Jesus is saying that anything that you built, you built your life on, other than Jesus Christ, is going to be falling apart. So here's a couple ideas. If you associate your worth to your job, you will have no worth when you retire or lose your job. If all of your worth is tied up in your job and your identity and everything is shaped by that, when you retire, you have no identity. Everything becomes sand. If you associate your worth with how many people are cheering you on, then you will fall apart in your life when you lose people's approval or attention. When all of your life is tied to material wealth, when the stock market collapses, you will deteriorate too. It's clear that Jesus is talking to a group of people who really, really are searching for heaven. And if we're really honest, we all are searching for heaven in our life. That's, that's the underlying motivation behind all of our searches for treasure in life. It's to have an experience of heaven. But the problem is that the experiences of heaven that we search for and, ex and strive after so many times in life are temporary heavens. They're illusory heavens. And just like sand, they slip through our fingers. And it's not something you can go grab onto or hold onto, and it's not something that lasts. 
But when we strive after Jesus Christ, we experience a heaven that lasts forever. And when we invest our lives, our motivations, when Jesus Christ becomes our obsession, and it becomes Jesus Christ that colors all of the things of our life rather than our, than our personal motivations, the lights come on. Good timing, guys. But what Jesus tells them through this speech is that their experience, his followers, is that their experience of heaven will be completely derived by their relationship with God. The big question in our life is, what do we believe is heaven? What is the heaven that we seek or yearn for or obsess with for for all of our hearts? The followers of Jesus had a convoluted notion of what heaven was. In fact, they had discovered that, that heaven for them was going to be defined and described by the people that they were following. In fact, they would become such an inbred religious society that they started to try to make each other happy. That they tried to, they tried to follow each other. They said, hey, you know, uh, look at what I do, and, and if you follow me, then you're going to be in a good place. But what Jesus was saying is you can only build your kingdom on God and following God directly. And that's why when I started this message, I said, what is it that God is saying to you right now about that obsession, about that passion, about that energy, about that experience of heaven in your life? Now, too often we come to church and we carry our treasures with us in life. We have this bag, if you will say, if you will, of, of treasure experiences. And we set them down when we come to worship. We set them down at the door and we come in and we have this great experience of worship. We're just, we're alive and we're focused on Jesus Christ. And we're focused on God. But as soon as we leave, we pick up that bag and we start walking away with all of the things that distract us and divert our attention in life. You see, The question is, can we take those things and can we lay them down at the feet of Jesus Christ? In a minute, I'm going to ask the Virginia Road Band to come up here and to sing a song called Shoulders, which is all about bringing the things of your life and putting them at the feet of Jesus. Just being faithful and knowing that Jesus Christ can carry you and carry you all of those burdens that you carry in your life, all those difficult experiences. Jesus wants us to do as as his followers is to treasure above all else our relationship with God and to acknowledge that all of our worth comes from God. When I went to Malawi and I encountered those people, I realized the deep faith they had and that even though things were falling apart in their life, it was actually them who was preaching to me. When I met with a woman in her house and she had dirt floors and she had her daughter whose husband had died in all of the kids that went with it. And they were just living day to day. And they said that the hunger season is coming up and they don't have, the, the, the famine is going to be real this year. A lot of people are going to die in Malawi. And we know it already. And they may die. But her faith was strong. She was preaching to me and saying, you know what? When you put your faith on Jesus Christ, you put your faith on Jesus Christ, you know that that's going to last, and you know that that's going to be strong and carry you through to the end. See, it's the beauty of the cross. I, I think that all of it comes really down to the question of, how much do you think that you're worth? How much, do, where is your worth tied up in? Where is, where is your value? You know, a lot of times in life, we try to build our worth. 
You, you build your worth by going to school, right? You like increase your CV. You know, you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to make yourself more valuable to the world. Isn't that true? And you're trying to make yourself more valuable in one way or another, socially. Even if you're a fringe society person, you're, you're, isn't, it, isn't the irony of someone who's, who's like in a fringe group that they're all seeking the approval of their peers in the fringe group? You know, that, that it's always about seeking that kind of approval from other people, of have, having other people say to you, good job, you're worth so much. I mean, you see, what Jesus Christ is saying is that all of that is like sand. All of the approval of other people that we seek in this life is, is just illusory. It falls away. But what we hear Jesus Christ saying is, You see, your value does not come from the words of other people. It does not come from your money. It does not come from your, any kind of experience that you'll have other than your total worth is defined by Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ on the cross, when he died for you, just think of it, just say that with me. Jesus Christ died for me. Jesus Christ died for me. Hear yourself saying that for me. Look yourself in the mirror this week and say to yourself, Jesus Christ died for me. Say it again and again until you understand the depth of the love that he has for you and the way in which Jesus Christ is saying that you are worth more than gold and you are worth more than a million planets. The only question is, are you willing to take all of those treasures, all of those things that that have become important to you in your life and dump them at the feet of Jesus Christ, lay them on the shoulders of Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I trust you with those things today. And I trust that you are going to transform those things into something that is more beautiful than I can imagine. And let's have the band come up and let's say a quick prayer. Lord Jesus, today we have a question before us. Where is our life pointed? You are our our true north, Jesus. So we pray that our treasures would be laid up on you. Like the needle of a compass, we would be just pointed directly toward you with everything that we have. So take our hearts, take our desires, take our passions and transform us today. And Lord, as we step away from this space today, may we not just return to our old patterns and behaviors, but may we walk forward with open hands, knowing that you have all of our cares, our concerns, our worries in mind, that you will shape us, you will form us into your likeness. And that the relationship we'll have with you, unlike the sand of this earth, is forever. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.